Welcome to a special edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans Weekly News Podcast. I'm your host and co-producer, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our co-producer, Haley Marks. This week, we will catch up with Caleb McCullough, Rachel Schilke, Kelsey Harrell, Riley Wilson, and Sarah Watson, who have all been covering the four finalists for the University of Iowa's presidency. All of the candidates visited campus in the last two weeks, and the new president will be selected on Friday, April 30th. Today, we will be having a roundtable discussion about the four candidates and where the search process goes from here. Well, welcome everyone to the podcast. We're excited to have you on today. How's everyone doing? Good. Doing great. Doing well. (laughs) Pretty great. We love to see it. So obviously, this is our special edition for the presidential search, which is coming to a close at the end of this month. Can everyone kind of go around and tell us a little bit about the candidates that they covered, what the background of the candidate was, and where they were before they applied for the University of Iowa's presidency? Yeah, I'll go first. It's my candidate visited first. So the first candidate to be announced uh, last Monday was Hari Osofsky. She's the Dean of Penn State Law and of Penn State's um, School of International Affairs. So she holds kind of dual dean positions. She's also worked at the University of Minnesota at their law school. Okay, I can go next. Um, so uh, mine and Eleanor's candidate was Barbara Wilson. Uh, she's a doll. Um, and so she is currently the executive vice president and vice president for academic affairs for the University of Illinois system. So basically she oversees University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign at Springfield and at Chicago. And her specialties are in journalism and communication arts, which is pretty cool. And uh, she focuses on how media policy affects young people. So she's definitely very personable. Yeah, so I covered the third candidate, um, Wendy Hensel. Uh, She is from Georgia State University. She's the provost and vice president for academic affairs. Um, She was the interim provost before that. And then she was the dean of the College of Law there. Um, And she primarily has been in academics just at Georgia State. But prior to that, she was a, um, she was a lawyer and she primarily focused on labor and employment and did a lot of um, advocation for uh, disabilities um, in the workplace. Yeah, so the final candidate is um, Daniel Clay and he is the current Dean of the University of Iowa College of Education. So he was the only internal candidate to be named a finalist in the search. So he's been the Dean of the College of Education since 2016. Um, And prior to that, he held a similar position as the Dean of the College of Education at the University of Missouri. Um, And then his his background is in in counseling and in psychology as a PhD in in psychology. Yeah, so we've got a wide array of different candidates, lots of women, one internal, very exciting. And obviously all these people have already come to campus. The last forum was today because we're recording this on Thursday, April 22nd. So what were kind of the focuses of the forums for each individual candidate? What stuck out about their answers and what did that process look like? So for um, Hari Osofsky's forum, she spoke a lot about kind of one of her leading things was that she is kind of grounded in personal integrity and that that's kind of how she 
um, what guides her decisions and decision making. She talked a lot about shared governance, um, bringing in campus leaders and, and peers into her decision making. Um, and then another thing that she really uh, held uh, held up and, and touched on was uh, her work in diversity, equity, and inclusion over the last um, year and before that, but specifically last year, last summer after the um, calls for racial justice after George Floyd's murder, um, there was she worked with the other uh, Penn State law deans and um, some student groups and other stakeholders to create the this list of concrete action steps um, to take toward diversity, equity, inclusion goals. Um, some of that was she and another de the Dean of Academic Affairs um, both put up the initial funds to start a like George Floyd Memorial Scholarship um, in the Penn State law. Uh, they also started a, a race and law concentration um, and I think worked on making a certain certain classes um, mandatory for, for, for law students um, that had, you know, uh, touched on diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and then the last thing that she kind of uh, touched on, she, she spoke a lot about kind of political disagreements in the state and how the university and its state partners can work together across those potential disagreements and, and, and still kind of find common ground. Um, one thing that we've seen a lot this year and, you know, in years past, but pretty substantially this year is that uh, certain um, Republicans in the state legislature are very dubious about the higher education's um, effectiveness and, and what it what it represents. And so we've seen, you know, efforts to to defund or to freeze funding or defund the universities in Iowa and um, controls on certain ways of, of, of teaching and, and things like that. So she really kind of wrote a very specific line about, you know, we want to um, bridge these gaps. And she didn't call out anybody in particular, but you can definitely tell there was um, a effort to bring people um, from disparate political ideologies together to kind of try to promote higher education. So that's kind of what I gleaned from from those from that uh, forum. So in Barbara Wilson's forum, she talked a lot about team building. I feel like that was something that she really focused on, um, especially she wants to make sure that she has direct relationship with students. And that could be a myriad of things It could be with student government, with international students, international student organizations. Um, and also fraternity and sorority life. That was something that she really put focus on when she was talking about how she wanted to engage with campus leaders, make sure that the decisions that she are, that she's making are reflective of student ideals, which was uh, something that I feel like a lot of students took very positively. Um, and she really emphasized um, building diverse teams in higher education. And she also wanted to put a focus on recognizing the uh, in, invisible labor, what she called it, of faculty of color that they do on a daily basis that maybe goes unnoticed at the University of Iowa. So she really wants to work on bringing that to light. And she also wants to elevate more women and faculty of color to leadership positions, which is definitely something that has come up as a topic of conversation at the University of Iowa recently, especially kind of like Caleb said, with all the stuff that's been going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and just things that have happened since the summer, um, highlighting and highlighting, representing and amplifying people of color, students of color, faculty of color um, has been really important. And uh, Barbara Wilson said that that's something that she really wants to implement if she were to come to the University of Iowa and be president. So I think a common theme among all of the forums was uh, DEI. Um, 
Wendy Hensel brought up um, some DEI efforts at the at Georgia State University. She gave a lot of very concrete examples um, of what was going on at her university and, you know, what she has done as provost. Um, she talked about how when she became provost, there wasn't any sort of DEI officer or director at Georgia State. And so she appointed someone very early um, in her time as provost to be a DEI officer um, within her office. Um, and she very much emphasized hiring, like having diverse um, administrators. Um, and she discussed like looking at data um, related to diversity in higher education and higher education like administrators. So I thought that was very interesting. And she discussed using that as kind of an example on how to make higher education more diverse. And she also very much emphasized student success. Um, she discussed an effort that she made at um, Georgia State when even before COVID, um, she very much pushed for online learning and making higher education accessible to everyone, um, regardless of you know socioeconomic status. And she very much emphasized that that's something she plans to continue doing um, if named president of the University of Iowa is just making sure that the university stays accessible to all students. Cool. Yeah. So Daniel Clay was the last candidate, talked a lot about leaning on his experience that he already has working at the UI as a dean. Um, he talked a lot about how he would leverage the existing relationships and connections that he has has in the college to or in the university to uh, in his role in his role if he were to be chosen as president. Um, he talked a lot about kind of leadership experience he has connecting between colleges. Um, and he also talked about his experience. He describes himself as an entrepreneur. He's involved in some startups at the UI and things like that and kind of pitched a lot based on his experience, um, both as an administrator and, and in finances um, in the business side of things. Um, he also talked a lot about, I think a lot of the, all of the candidates touched on improving graduation and retention rates. I think that was the focus in all of the forums. Um, but Clay talked a lot about wanting to improve student retention um, and helping students graduate. Um, and he also talked a lot about selling the value of the university to the entire state um, with declining support from the state legislature um, financially and a lot of the um, sort of anti higher education bills and sentiment that's been going around lately. Um, he talked a lot about promoting what, what the university gives to the entire state and what the benefit of funding universities is even for people who maybe aren't, aren't students here. And he also talked about DEI, um, all the candidates touched on that as well. One of the things he said, he he said he felt like current current leadership at the university didn't respond appropriately to um, protests in Iowa City over the summer. There's a lot of anger from students, um, you know, over the murder of George Floyd and police brutality. Um, and he said that he felt like uh, leaders at the university weren't visible enough during that. So he he said he would be more uh, be more visible as a leader during during crisis. Yeah, definitely. We've got four candidates who talked about similar, talked about different things, always interesting. And another part of this whole process was that these candidates, even though one of them, you know, is in Iowa City normally, the rest 
came here. They all traveled all the way to Iowa from wherever they were from. And some people got to sit in on these forums. So what did students and other community members who were in person at these forums have to say about the individual candidates that they got to listen to? So for um, Ario Stavsky, I think a lot of people were impressed by kind of her background. Um, I know a couple of people mentioned they were, um, they liked that she had a background as an attorney. Um, and generally just um, people were uh, happy about her, you know, academic background. That's kind of been the common theme with the um, all of these candidates now. Um, the big controversy last time we appointed a president was um, President Bruce Harold did not have any background in academic administration. So people are, especially since this was the first one, people were happy to see um, that this person had a background in academia. Some people were a, a little less enthused about the way that she kind of went about talking about those political disagreements and, and um, political challenges that the university faces. I think some people wanted her to be more, um, she said um, specifically, I think it's important that we speak out in support of anti-racism values and then said, you know, that she's treading into complex political ground by saying that. I know some people thought that and kind of other political comments were just a little offhand in the sense that, you know, pe people want to think or think that, um, anti-racism and um, talking about, you know, diversity and, and inclusion in these things shouldn't be political and that people should kind of be more supportive with their, you know, full um, voice of those things. So there was some kind of um, concern about her kind of treating these things as, as more of political issues, maybe over like human rights issues, but um, that was kind of the, the impression that people, that people got. Yeah. When I, were, when I was interviewing students, I definitely was not getting a lot of positive feedback, which was, I feel like a little shocking to some people that were watching because she, you know, she was very personable. She was very um, outspoken and she had a lot of, I, uh, a lot of people thought that she had really great ideas on higher education, on tenure, things like that. Um, however, when I was speaking with students, um, they were, the tone that they even described to me was hesitant, that they were very hesitant about her goals and her ideas. And they did not like the fact that she wasn't able to answer her, answer the questions given to her concretely, which I feel like was a common feature of all of the forums, which is understandable. You know, you, as somebody who's speaking to an entire group of people, you don't want to say something that will alienate one side. So, and the students recognize that, but they really wanted to see concrete answers when it came to increasing diversity among staff and promoting minority groups on campus, especially with uh, Asian Americans. There was a comment that was made um, about how with the recent hate crimes against Asian Americans, how would you as president make the campus safer for those groups? And instead of really giving a concrete answer, she basically just talked about how her family is multiracial and how she's sympathetic to those who are on going through this terrible time, which um, one of the students said was something that she liked to hear, but she would have liked to hear something that was more directly addressing the question of how are you going to implement safe practices on campus. And another thing that they were um, upset about was just the lack of student involvement in general and her lack of addressing graduate students. That was something that I think she, that the students thought was not done correctly and they really and especially the graduate and the students I did interview were graduate students so they definitely had that um that opinion of it because that is their group of people but they did say that they were um not happy with the way that she addressed labor unions and graduate students as a whole so that definitely I feel like was something that um 
they wish they would have seen a little bit more from her. Yeah, so um, with Wendy Hensel, for the most part, student reactions were fairly positive. Um, One student did say that, you know, she felt um, she was impressed by Hensel's work at Georgia State um, with helping close up graduation rates, um, their graduation rate gaps. Um, Right now at Iowa, there is a graduation gap between um, white students and students of color. Um, It has been closing, but just not at the same rate that Georgia State's did. Um, There is, I believe, little to no gap between um, their graduation rates. Um, And so students were impressed by that. One of the things that was pointed out um, by one student, though, was during the forum, Hensel mentioned that she feels that, you know, uh, the University of Iowa does need police on campus. But the same student said that the fact that um, Hensel said she supports the holistic model that um, the the university has proposed um, as they're looking at changing things within the um, UIPD. Um, Hensel said she supports the holistic approach and um, the student said that that's encouraging to them, but newly elected USG president, um, Reagan Smock, uh, she talked to Sabina Martin, who's on the story with me. And uh, Reagan actually said that um, currently after uh, hearing the first three candidates, um, we did not speak to her after today's candidate, um, just because we're not covering, we weren't covering that candidate, but Reagan said that she, her favorite candidate right now um, is Barbara Wilson, um, the second candidate to be announced. And she said that all three candidates do have strong values in diversity, equity, inclusion, but right now um, Barbara Wilson is who most impressed her, but yeah. Yeah, from students at the forum, um, they were generally, impressed by what Clay had to say. Um, A lot of people kind of spoke on how at first they were a little hesitant about what, about an internal candidate, but saw some positives to an internal candidate kind of knowing the university and already knowing how it works. Um, So people saw some positives in that. Um, One student uh, we talked to liked that Clay um, talked about his identity as a first-generation college student and said, you know, do that would be valuable for someone who is first generation to lead a school and that first generation students could connect to having a president with that identity. Um, so generally people at the forum were, felt that he answered questions well and that you know his internal experience could be a positive as president. Um, something that people kind of in the broader community online have voiced concerns about, um, he is, Clay is currently um, involved in an ongoing lawsuit from the, against the UI for gender discrimination. Um, Pam Rees, who was the former director of the UI REACH program, um, alleges that she was fired, she was given the choice to resign or fire by Clay um, back in 2018, and that she was fired and replaced with a man younger than her and paid more money. Um, So involvement in that that lawsuit gives some people pause and concern. Um, So that's one of the things people people are hesitant about with this candidate. but generally from students at the forum, feedback was feedback was positive from them. Yeah. 
And I think it's also important to mention that in our final four candidates, we have no ethnic or racial minorities. We do have three women and we do not know the any of the breakdown of the original 79 candidates who applied for the University of Iowa's presidency. And we also do not know the breakdown in any sense of the semifinalists who are 12 people. We just know our four finalists, but we are moving forward now that the final forum came to a close earlier this afternoon. So what happens next? Where do our candidates go? What does the University of Iowa have to look forward to when it comes to this process? I could take this question. Well, so yeah, so first to your point about the four candidates not being any racial or ethnic minorities, the 2015 search that selected President Bruce Harold didn't have, was all for um, white men. So, um, you know, at first when we were hearing the announcement of the candidates, all the first three were women. And so that, even that was a um, departure from the 2015 search. And of course, the University of Iowa has had several um, female presidents. So, um, but yeah, it is, it is interesting that there aren't any um, candidates, finalists who are racial or ethnic minorities. But one, one thing that anecdote that I've um, heard is that sometimes open searches may deter candidates of color just because everybody wants a diverse pool to, to select from um, just to show that there is, there is um, a wide range of candidates from different backgrounds. And so, um, you know, having that being selected, obviously they'd be very qualified, um, but if that person was not slated to be selected or was not maybe out of the, you know, finalist was not, was had the least amount of uh, positions or work experience that could lead to future, you know, people seeing that, oh, this person wasn't selected. Is that, you know, is there any reason for that? So um, that's something that I've heard expressed about open searches in, in general, um, not necessarily with the University of Iowa. And like you said, we don't know the makeup of all of the other candidates, finalists, the semifinalists. Um, but as far as next steps, so next steps, um, the final feedback is uh, due to the search committee on Monday, April 26th at 5 p.m. And so people can submit their feedback via an online form. And then after that, the search committee meets and then the Board of Regents has a meeting on the University of Iowa campus. And then on Friday, April 30th, the Regents are expected to announce a new University of Iowa president. And then we go from there. <laughs> exciting that we'll have we'll have a president in a week very exciting granted we don't know when they will start or what that will look like all very exciting thank you all so much for sitting down and chatting with us about your candidates the people you covered and keeping us updated on all things new top hawkeye coming next week the daily iowan will be writing profiles on the four finalists which you can read on our website or in our print editions on mondays and wednesdays thanks for listening Follow The Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest COVID-19 related news. We'll be back next week with another edition of On the Record.